Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year uh, Wall Street veterans. Uh, a 25-year, Vern. They cannot, well, 20 or to 25. I'm older than you, I guess. You're dating yourself. Uh, we've taken on secret identity. Is that legal, identity. even? Disguised our voices. Uh, we wear masks, not all the time, but... Uh, uh, so that we can bring you our uh, unvarnished opinions about uh, Value Line's weekly stock pick. Completely Basically, we, uh, opinions we get together uh, at the end of every week to talk stocks, and uh, we use uh, that week's Value Line for a, a source of ideas. So uh, I, this is, as we caution every week, uh, for entertainment purposes only, although you do get, we hope, the benefit of some insight from... Uh, well, it's not always entertaining. Some, I think we've got to be uh, honest Wall about Street that. Types. Yeah, well, and hopefully we have offsetting content on those days. Well, some do. I don't right uh, now. We, I didn't, you know, please uh, visit our website, uh, www.thevalueguys.com, uh, to learn more about us. You'll find uh, a bunch of caveats there, like we may own the stocks that we talk about. In any event, right. uh, later on, I'm going to come about. back and uh, talk about, uh, I've got three stocks this week that are all trading around seven times gross cash flow. But uh, wow. first, I'm going to turn it over to the uh, magical maestro of monetism. How long have you been working on that? About two minutes. Yeah, okay, eh, pretty good then. Anyway, Val thank you very much. Uh, this is Val. Once again, we're using a little technology this week, so uh, we're not actually sitting we're next not to each other. But, but we're, I, we want to make it perfectly clear to everybody, we're not technology abusers. We just no. like to use a little of it occasionally. No, these are all adult technologies here, and so uh, no one's being harmed. And we actually had Yahoo Messenger going trying to see each other. No animals were harmed in not the recording all. of this show not either. All. And it's for the betterment of humankind. Anyway... Uh, some of us are very sleepy, and that's me, and I have done very little work this week. But fortunately, uh, this is March 23rd, by the way, the March 23rd edition of the Value Line Investment Survey that we're taking a look at. We've been doing this a long time, and we're drinking usually, although I'm drinking coffee right now. And this week, there's, uh, there's some topics that tie into some important trends, aerospace, of course, uh, defense and uh, technology advances and productivity, etc., medical services, there's some distribution. I looked through a lot of these uh, steel uh, metal fabricating companies and have owned some of these in the past. They're worth a look by some really uh, you know, serious value type fans. Lawson Products uh, is one that uh, you know looks pretty good on cash flow. The, the, the cycle doesn't look quite right. Worthington Industries is another one. Uh, that you know, famous value people own. Right now, Lawson, there's a position by Royce. Uh, I think Dimensional Fund is in one of these. Anyway, those are worth a look. But I, I took the easier way out this week, uh, Vern, and just um, uh, went with a couple of medical products companies, which is a trend demographics. It's easy to uh, predict what you or, you know, 100% sure is going to be happening, which is the aging of the population. What, people getting more and more sick? Or? Uh, well, people getting older and people having more wealth and spending more of that wealth, you know, the old thing, you can't take it with you. So that's the reason that in the last year or so, people's lives, they spend half what they'll spend in their whole life on medical care. And it really, at that moment, is their choice. And so uh, yeah. I don't think those things are going to change, although 
cost containment and stuff is certainly uh, on the, you know, it's involved in what we do in the whole HMO uh, deal right now. Uh, and the people that can provide efficient health care are going to gain share. So I am going to talk about Cigna and Coventry. I'm not an expert on these things by any means. But before that, I wanted to dip into something that caught my eye I don't know uh, anything about, so that doesn't stop me. Uh, Esterline Technologies, ticker ESL. It's on page 552. And uh, what do these guys do? They manufacture, according to Value Line, manufacture components and subsystems for the aerospace defense markets in three segments, avionics and control, sensors and systems, and advanced materials. Uh, those are all things that are gaining share uh, due to the peace dividend that we took during the Clinton administration, you know, uh, we hit a low in defense spending about four, six years ago, and now with uh, what's going on in the world, uh, we're having to raise that, and it's just going back to levels that it was prior to the Clinton administration. Uh, there's a lot of room to grow here in terms of uh, defense. These guys appear to be winning contracts um, in a variety of industries, and, uh, you know. That sounded pretty high-tech. It's high tech. Their returns on capital aren't great, but uh, a couple things here. Their, their orders are rising. Their business is rising. The stock right now is a 20% discount to the average PE, so I think the market right now is thinking that uh, the current book of business is kind of going to roll off. And my do they have uh, commercial business as well? Uh, they do have some commercial business. They're involved in uh, commercial aerospace with their materials business. Uh, they have I think the, the consensus view right now is that you get rising commercial aircraft deliveries through 29 for sure, maybe 2010. Well, the whole uh, manufacturing process for the you know Boeing uh, what 787 is is about to change, move toward composites. This whole area of uh, stronger and lighter weight reduction, et cetera, strength, uh, you know, is, is not going away. These guys appear to be involved in that. Um, and, you know, attra I'm attracted to the, the, gr the growth in the technology. Value Line themselves says earnings are going to grow about 14%. I kind of, without knowing a lot other than we have talked about uh, a couple companies here that, that do that kind of thing over time. But they're involved, and they're trading at a nice discount, 14 times earnings, even on cash flow. Oh. Um, on 07, 460 in gross cash flow, a share stock at 38. That's about, what, nine times? And they spend a buck in capex. So even on a free cash flow basis, they're at about ten times, and they're involved in a growing area of technology. Uh, their returns on capital, as I say, are low, but I suspect that's because when you get involved in some of these new programs, you have to give a little bit away for a while and hope that they lead to longer uh, product cycles, and you you make the money on the back back yeah, end. Yeah, it turns out that they're it's depressed currently because it's a strong investment cycle. That means that buying the stock now, you know, for a longer-term investor should work out very well because the investment level should come off and uh, free cash flow growth should accelerate. Yeah, no, I, their, their CapEx doesn't seem to have jumped uh, too much here, but uh, nope. you know, SG&A may have jumped up. I don't know. Their, their net margins have eased down a little bit. Their balance sheet is in pretty good shape, 28% debt to cap. So, you know, summary, involved in a couple of industries that seem to be gaining share uh, in, a, in a sector that's gaining share, discount to the market, uh, good cash flow coverage, uh, and, you know, they just made a, uh, well, 
they just made a dilutive acquisition to gain some technology. That may be part of the reason the stock's underperformed here. So you know, as, as it uh, becomes accretive over the next two years, you'd benefit from that. So anyway. Did you, did you say how much has come off? I did not, but the stock is at 38, according to Value Line right now, and the high on the stock was uh, 47 uh, probably about a year ago. And, uh, you know, uh, relative performance has been a little soft. Uh, and yet cash flow and earnings are rising, so the market here, I think, is just bothered by the potential for the military-related business to roll off. I'd make a bet that's not, you know, automatically going to happen. And then the market seems to be bothered a little bit by this dilutive acquisition, which, you know, once you take the hit for that with the stock coming down, it, in effect, isn't really dilutive if you buy it after it goes down to you as the new shareholder. So, um, you know, that's another reason you'll benefit from that as it becomes accretive over the next year or two. So do your own work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, edgar.com is free, and you can look up the recent, you know, 10K, read about what they say about themselves. The 10Q management discussion about their current business is a great place to look. Uh, but in any case, ESL, Esterline Technologies. So what do you think of that, Vern? I think it sounds good. I thought it was going to turn out to be a lot more expensive than no, that. No, it's, I mean, the most, of the... most of the aerospace stuff, you know, it's trading at, like, market multiples or better, I think. Well, the first thing that comes to mind on any of these stocks is if they're not attractively priced... If, you, if you're not going to know a lot, it's best to just buy it cheap. That's the value guy's secret weapon is that if things go wrong, it's already priced in that it's going to be wrong. So, you know, if you can find those things that are apt to work out right, uh, then you get lucky and things go up. I'd much rather be in that situation than hoping something bad doesn't happen and watching my P.E. crash if it does. It's just, it's just a better way to sleep at night. I mean, don't yep. you think? I don't know. Anyway. Value, guys. Uh, yeah, value. It. Enjoy it. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. The next one. I'm back to something I know more about, which is aging of the population. That may be one of the only things I'm pretty sure about in the investment world. <laughs> well, being a participant in the process. Yeah, you know, I know I'm aging. Real, so right? I think I hope everyone else is. Anyway, Signacorp, ticker CI, page 635. Uh, these guys are as you probably know, a large provider of life and health benefits uh, around the, the country. Um, they have 27,000 employees, so that's pretty big. And they've got uh, $15 billion in sales. Okay, that's a lot. Market cap, $13 billion. You know, what I'm attracted to here right off again is a discount in the market. It's a 73% of the average P.E. here, 13 times earnings. Uh, they're balanced. So when I see a low P.E., I'm immediately going to look at the balance sheet, see if it's highly levered to account for that. No, 20% debt to capital. Um, their returns on capital here are, you know, 18 19%. That's been improving. You know, cost of capital to something like this is, you know, mortgage rates plus the Treasury. So there's a pretty good gap here, what they're earning. They're not too levered, and it's at a market discount. So, you know, what's wrong with it? I don't know. Uh, obviously, the market's worried about the government becoming more involved and taking profits away, but that's been the concern forever. Um, you know, uh, however this thing turns out, you have to think about Cigna more as a, a health care provider, yeah, but really more of a manager of resources. And whether it's an insurance product or an HMO product or what have you, um, these guys are clearly going to be involved. They generate a lot of free cash flow. Uh, stock at 137. The value line says they're going to earn 14 bucks in 
gross cash flow next year, and their CapEx number says not meaningful. So uh, I guess that's free cash flow as well, and that's pretty cheap, 10 times free cash flow. They've been putting their free cash into stock, buying stock back, share count going down, and their margins are, you know, in the mid-30s. Well, what does that tell me? That tells me that the people that are buying their services aren't stupid, so they must be providing a lot of value uh, to or eke out that type of margin, and uh, that's why they're generating such a high return on capital. So uh, what else can I tell you? The, the details of this are that uh, they're getting some price increases, 6 to 7%. That's in a sort of 2 3% inflationary environment. So they all live longer if I buy the stock. Everybody lives longer. Well, you know, that may be why these guys are, have to do so well. Everybody's overinsured. Everybody's spending more than they need to on health care, and, you know, and, and these guys uh, earn a little money off that. So do the doctors, by the way, in the hospitals. But um, growth here, Value Line's predicting 11% earnings growth. Next couple years, comparisons look pretty good. Balance sheet in good shape. So Cigna, CI, it's a put away. You know, it's, I, I don't know what's anything new is going to happen. The stock's been running, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still cheap. What can I say? And then finally, Coventry Health, ticker CVH, uh, page 637. Uh, these guys are a national managed health care company that provides products and services to employers, governments, and insurance carriers. So uh, they're the ones actually managing the doctors and the hospitals. And they, uh, you know, they recently have uh, digested a big acquisition and uh, have sort of walked through the path of this whole Medicare Part D um, entitlement. They've got a lot of cash flow, 520 a share predicted for next year, stock at 54, that's 11 times. Once again, they have very little, you know, CapEx, so it's 11 times free cash flow. This is just a, a, a yield story. Growth, value lines predicting 13%. You know, I don't know this company well, but a lot of times these sorts of companies, in my opinion, are, uh, are you know, are, are good if they're in good areas. They're bad if they're in bad areas. These guys are in areas, the Midwest, so good hardy stock, right? They don't get sick much. Mid-Atlantic, well, there's good air down there, right? And then uh, Southeast, which is, you know, hopefully some of the people retiring but aren't, you know, completely in their last years. It just seems like they're in some they're in some good areas population wise versus for example the northeast where you have big industrial cities and a lot of sick people. If you if you if you're well enough to migrate to the southeast, you're probably not like gonna a, cost a lot. Post apocalyptic moonscape world. Well, I, I just think these guys appear to be making bets in the right geographies. The returns are also mid teens. Margins are are uh, you know for a provider, pretty good, 12, 13 uh, percent, and uh, you know, growing mid-teens due to some acquisitions of which they just digested one. There are some details here you could read about. You know, these companies grow in two ways: they add members, and then they also raise prices. Um, for people who can't add members, you live and die by price increases, and the, that environment's not always great. But if you're in areas that are growing in population, it means your membership's growing, and that's a backdrop to growing revenues, whether you can get increases or not on the medical side. So uh, they, they seem to be in good areas for that, and it's reasonably priced. So 22% uh, discount, 
you know, 14 times Coventry, CVH, and uh, that's all I have this week, Vern. Kind of an easy one, you know, because I, again, don't know anything about these things. But yeah, but they all sound like Good common uh, sense sometimes story. is all you need to worry about. Don't let Wall Street try to convince you you need to be a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon, you know, really. Adding is really mainly what you need to be able to do. And uh, a little division sometimes. But with calculators now, even that's easier. So anyway, uh, with uh, great fanfare now, uh, I would like to introduce my, uh, my co-host uh, in uh, this week's show, uh, aficionado of value himself, Mr. Vern Value. Vern? Why, why thank you. What a, what a rousing transition. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play the role of the deep value guy this week, and uh, I found myself naturally attracted to the. I guess Value Line calls it the general steel industry. Uh, there must be a specialty steel hiding in a different week's issue of Value Line. I think or so. Yeah. I don't know. I believe there is. Uh, and then they have this other category that's closely related to it called metal fabricating, and I think the lines between the two are kind of blurred in some cases uh, yeah. and they don't like any of them they, the only one or two rating in uh, the 20 or plus combined stocks is Cleveland Cliffs which I really think of as a iron ore miner you know related driven by steel but uh, you know so they don't they don't like the people that are making stuff out of this stuff and uh, I think there's some uh, there clearly some cyclical risk in the group, but it looks like the valuations give you a lot of protection there. So uh, first in the steel group, I found an interesting little company called, uh, I think it's pronounced Quanex, symbols NX, uh, value line rates at four, one and a half billion market cap stock, uh, trading around 40, has traded as high as 49 bucks, that was like a year ago. At 40 bucks, you're uh, about 11 times, 11.8 times earnings, and earnings that earnings number is down about 15 percent this year. This is estimated by Value Line at 340, um, and so on that 15 percent decline in earnings, you're at a 35 percent discount to the market, less than uh, 80 percent of sales. Although there is a, I guess historically, if you look at the great thing about Value Line, you always get a lot of history. Uh, there's, I guess, consistently been a discount, and about seven times cash flow. Again, you know, down because of uh, the earnings decline, and with what looks like about 450 to five dollars of free cash flow, you know, kind of a wide range there. Um, at 40 bucks, you're either, you know, you're eight at one end, or you know, nine to you know plus on the other end. So pretty cheap on free cash flow as well. Uh, it, it, line you know, basically describes them as a metal fabricator and processor that does over half of its business in vehicle and construction markets, which would explain why the stock's been under pressure and why earnings are forecast to go down. And then I guess they also uh, do, you know, industrial capital goods markets as the rest of it. Operating margins range between 10 and 18 percent. So um, they must uh, they must actually add some real value here. Yeah. Or they wouldn't be making 10% uh, operating margins. In the recession year of 01, they did 10.9%. So they did must they, bring they, something they didn't to the party. Money. I have no idea who these people are, but uh, they're generating a 13-plus percent return on capital. And as best I can determine from the description, it sounds like maybe they're a, uh, a, uh, they benefit from the trend towards 
outsourcing by, you know, major manufacturers. I got to about 180 million of free cash flow here. Of course, besides the fact that you got about a 12% yield on the stock, I could buy back 4 million shares at $45. That's 10% above where the stock is today. And that would be over the over 10% of the outstanding, which is 37 million. So it generates a lot of cash, even in a uh, you know a, a year that's come off of peak. Lord, Ab you know you you were talking about owners before. Lord Abbott owns almost 15% of this apparently. They're smart. I think this looks very interesting. Hmm. Quantix. Uh, so anyway, so that's uh, so I had that one first, and then uh, there's a great another number four in the uh, metal fabricating area that uh, value line. Um, uh, doesn't like again 3.6 billion market cap Harsco. Uh, the symbol is HSC uh, at 42.29. This one's kind of near all-time highs above 44 dollars. At uh, this 42.29, it's about 16 and a half times earnings. Earnings are forecast to go up by 13 percent. Earnings have been growing rapidly here, but uh, still a 10 percent discount to the market. And if you look at cash flow. About seven times gross cash flow, just like Quanex. Uh, now this one, they're showing uh, value line showing a lot of forecasting, a lot of capex. So the free cash flow multiple climbs as high as like 18. But it's pretty clear from the description of the business that that must be what's contributing to this high growth that this business is generating. And if you look at the history, you can see the current capex levels. Um, look like they might be at a cyclical high because there's some history in the past when CapEx ran, uh, you know, as much as 10% of revenue, uh, but is, you know, it, as it is now, uh, but has come down, you know, significantly less before. So, uh, well, you know, around the reasons, a share, uh, like I said, 10% of uh, sales, but if it were 6%, like they've done in uh, uh, as recently as 02 and 03, Free cash flow would be above three and a half dollars, and you would be looking at like an eleven to twelve times free cash flow multiple. So, well, Vern, one uh, of the reasons it, if I it's uh, not as expensive. Hello, as it Vern, was. what? Yeah. One of the reasons, because I looked at a couple of these, Worthington and yeah. Lawson, is right. that you're looking at stocks that, uh, if the recovery continues, they're very cheap, but they almost seem, you know, they're built into these valuations right now, almost an implicit. Uh, you know, uh, assumption that we're about to move into a slower period, and you know, you look back over these past periods, and for some of these, things can get you know bad for a year or two. Uh, but what I hear you describe is stocks that seem to reflect the belief that we may be heading into a downturn, and yet, what really are the chances of that in the near term? The numbers for the general economy seem pretty good, don't you think? I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's uh, something worse than the uh, highest probability outcome is what's priced into them. And the valuation, that's what I meant by support. I feel yeah. like, yes, we probably have some some downside risk here if the economy is going in recession. But, but then you just wait uh, it out. Really no of, recessions don't the kind last of forever. stresses that would create that kind of uh, dislocation, don't you? Or do you? I don't see them. Do you? Well, I mean, there's always some data, and even the best of times, it looks bad. But when you take it all together, I think the economy looks looks pretty well, strong I don't think right now. It's a disaster, now. but um, interest you know, rates the, are good. The, uh, employment strong. Growth is strong. And, uh, you know, uh, well, we'll see. 
Uh, this is seems an interesting to be company, by the way. Bit, this one is not, not uh, going down I think, anymore. not as cyclically exposed as the others. It's one of the things that attracted me to it, even though it's going to turn out to be, as I've described it, you know, it's, it looks uh, statistically more expensive than Quantex and other stock that I'm going to talk about. Um, stock's been going about, you know, kind of sideways for the last year. Um, but this is a service business. Um, last year, they did 40% of their business was a business called what they call mill services, which is performing services for steel mill operators. So basically, they're you know becoming the I think you know maintenance and logistics arm, the the operating personnel that provide uh, more and more services at steel mills. So it's a you know they're a uh, they're rolling up, if you will, a very interesting little. Uh, outsourcing niche. They do 32% in access services. This is driven by construction. They do things like erect giant, you know, semi-permanent scaffolding around huge, um, you know, historic building rehabilitation projects and stuff like well, that. Well, that, that's how this Worthington and, um, is. And they, they have some like rail that. services and some other diversified stuff. They did something in gas storage, but they're apparently divesting that. So, did they lose money in the last couple of recessions, or did they always make money? No, they, uh, they've had uh, um, very stable results on an operating basis. That's how this Worthington is, W-O-R. And, um, but this, one's, uh, this, this is not a manufacturer, so they shouldn't have the same kind of fixed cost leverage if things slow down uh, that you'll see elsewhere. But as I mentioned, they're forecast to be putting up double-digit growth. Uh, they're generating a lot of free cash flow, and I, you know, I ran the numbers here as well. I can buy, again, uh, you know, I've got enough uh, annual free cash flow to uh, buy 4 million shares at prices above where the stock is today, 5% of the outstanding in this case, but that would be annually. So, um, you know, I, pretty, uh, I, I think a uh, pretty interesting story and pretty interesting valuation for what it is. And then I saved my favorite one for last. My favorite one is Mueller Industries. The symbol here is MLI. This is a bill market cap stock. Value line likes a little better. They also metal fabricating industry. They rated three um, at twenty-eight dollars. Um, it's come off in the last year about thirty-three percent from a high of forty-two. At this twenty-eight uh, stock price, it's twelve times earnings, which are forecast to be down forty percent this year. Uh, that's about a two-thirds of a market multiple. It's selling for less than half of sales. It's seven times cash flow, again, down 30%, and about nine times free cash flow. Um, the stock, again, at 28, in the last 10 years, um, it has uh, always had a, it hit a high higher than the current 28. In the last nine years, the high for the year has been at least 32 which is you know nearly 15% above where the stock is today. Eight out of the last nine years, the high for the year has been uh, at least 35. So the stock's been kind of a trading range, not a lot of growth here historically, um, That uh, with a decent return on capital, 10-11%. Um, a manufacturer of copper, brass, aluminum fittings, forgings, especially valves. I had this idea this company made fire hydrants, but I couldn't find any reference to it. Uh, in the value lines right up. Uh, in this case, uh, this company, on this depressed level of cash flow, generating $120 million a year of free cash flow at $30, $2 above where the stock is today, you could buy 4 million shares, 
again, uh, coincidentally, $37 million outstanding at Mueller as well. So I can buy back more than 10% of the outstanding with the free cash flow I get this year where I'm down 30% from peak. Um, I, you know, this one, I, I, you know, you, you talk about value, valuation can make you not need to get the cycle right. Right. Say, well, the is, other thing know, I could interject on this one, Vern, yeah. is uh, because we in the shop have taken a careful look at Mueller Water, and that's got its own story. I mean, uh, yeah. basically, Mueller spun it out, and sometimes that allows a company to refocus on their core business. Um, you know, that may be the source of some margin improvement for Mueller uh, over the next 12 months that people may not be thinking about, or maybe I think they are. Probably I don't know. Some raw, there's probably some raw material cost risk because they probably have been uh, on the top line have benefited some from, you know, higher copper prices and aluminum prices and passing those through because they've, you know, their profitability has been very good. So uh, there's some risk to the ab absolute level of. Um, earnings, et cetera, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's no reason particularly to expect that now. And, you know, as we were talking before, it looks to be pretty amply uh, discounted into a stock yeah. that's off third from so. the time. I guess so. But, um, you know, these are good good companies, and if the economy has another couple of years, they're apt to, to do well. Yeah, they're the kind of thing that, you know, you might find yourself having made 30% in if uh, the economic news turns out to be a little better or people think it is for a while. And uh, so you're in and out. And uh, uh, and if, you've, if you're wrong, then you hold on to it. And, uh, these are uh, these are businesses that, uh, um, you know, be good candidates for private equity where they, uh, yeah, at least the Mueller and Quanex ones where, uh, you know, they don't really have much of an identity, and, uh, you know, they make, you know, they generate a lot of cash, but don't seem to get a lot of respect from people. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Vern. So, wh what else do you got going over there? Oh, that's it, man. All right, well. All three, uh, three for me, and that's it. I had They're pretty good ideas. I had three this week. I guess my favorite one, you know, the Cigna is a good one. Value Line has it rated two, and I we don't always agree. I'd have to say my favorite this week is... Uh, this little Coventry Health, CVH. That's pretty tame, though. I'd really like to dig in a little more on this Ester line, ticker ESL. I've heard good things about it in the past. I don't know much about it. But, I'd have uh, to do a lot more work. Maybe, you know, what are they, value you mentioned, line? You mentioned, they're, they, you mentioned they're in the sensor business. You know, that's, that's a uh, real high-value-added, uh, rapidly developing, and I think generally rapidly growing space because, well, we've um, had as you some, continue uh, to make products more and more intelligent, mm -hmm. your ability to control that and uh, make it work is significantly influenced well, and by you take, the quality basically, of the feedback data. You take you labor have. out of the equation as you replace it with uh, computers managing things. Yeah, um, there you go. But how Value Line retraces these things, I think, every three months. So hopefully, I don't own the Sester line, but when we revisit it three months, maybe I'll uh, have done a little work on it by that time. So anyway. Take, take us out, Vern. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us this week. Value Line Observer, March 23 issue. Come back and see us again next week. Visit our website, thevalueguys.com, and uh, take care of yourself out there. Bye, everyone.